This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Dare to Self-Care. I'm Jen, lifestyle YouTuber and your host of this podcast, where we dive deep with insightful guests to find out how self-care has played a role in their success. Welcome to our community. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our community. If you're new here, I'm Jen. I am a YouTuber, of course, a podcast host, and also a health and wellness media specialist. I also work at Rumble. You'll come to learn. I just have a bunch of jobs because I recently left the 9 to 5 corporate life. I have a whole separate podcast episode and YouTube video on that. If you're interested in my story there, let's get started with a little scheduling update. These episodes are now going to be live every Tuesday morning. Not much different for you guys, but will make a huge difference for me. I know I've been talking about extreme overwhelm lately and just like the difficulties of juggling everything, especially during the summer when COVID has been a bit better and plans have been, you know, picking up over the weekend. It's just been hard to hit the ground running Monday mornings because I find myself stressing on Sundays and then Monday mornings to get these episodes up. So it will be better all around for all of us to have this up Tuesday mornings and I can dedicate Monday to preparing all the social promos, making this intro, getting it all up for you guys and running and ready to go for Tuesday morning without the added stress because this is one of my favorite projects. So let's keep it positive. (laughs) On another note, I just have to say I am so excited about the guests that we have coming up. I have about five episodes in the bank and they are all people that I am so inspired by. I have a few more coming up over the next few weeks that I'm recording and I'm just like in awe at the guests that we're having on this podcast. They're people that were on my dream list before I even recorded one episode and I'm having them on like week after week. So the past few weeks it's already started and we have about like seven more coming up that I'm just as excited about so get ready subscribe if you're not subscribed follow the dare to self-care instagram so that you can see when new episodes are live get little snippets of quotes you can submit listener questions before i interview each of these people i always pop them on the instagram stories and get your questions for them so definitely follow along everywhere so that you don't miss these amazing episodes coming up i'm so excited And Michelle is definitely one of those people for me, so we will get into that in a second. But let's start with what was in alignment for me this week and out of alignment for me this week. And as always, you guys do the same on your end. So what was in alignment for me this week was definitely working out. I think I worked out every single day except like one day and maybe two days, which is so ideal. 
I did a lot of rumble boxing and I feel like I'm getting so much better and like more of a natural at boxing. I feel like I'm really boxing and with an opponent in mind. And it's just cool to get in the groove of something that takes a lot of time and practice to learn. And it just makes me feel strong. It's super fun. So I've been loving that. And then also I got back into the class, which formerly known as the class by Taryn Toomey. That's one of my PR clients. And I haven't done it in a minute because they are on a digital studio and I've just been really into in-person these days and getting out of the apartment because obviously I've been working out inside for a year and a half. I just felt drawn to do the class again this week and I also needed to squeeze something in and not take like a half hour to get to the workout and a half hour back and so the class was definitely the best decision and I just... You forget like the class is literally therapy. It is wild. Not only do you leave sweating and feeling like you got such a good cardio workout in because it's a full hour and I've been so sore the day after, but it's also such therapy. It makes you feel so good in your body. It's such an emotional release and it's just, it's everything and it just reminded me of how much I love it. I tried Scott's class this week and I absolutely loved it. His name's Scott Dyer. He's also a soul cycle instructor. So he has that motivational, spiritual energy that we love. So I highly recommend that. The class is a seven-day free trial too. So feel free to check it out. And then what was out of alignment for me this week was similar to last week, which I think it's going to be pretty similar until I move in in two weeks because it's just a crazy time. But I also had so much work in PR. I was onboarding a new client. It was just very hectic. I feel like I don't have a routine at all right now. As you know, I love that every day for me is so different. But I feel like every morning has been... I don't have my like regular morning routine right now. My regular morning workout schedule. I feel like I've been jumping into a rumble class while I'm at the desk because I didn't get a workout in that day and then I lose out on an hour of pay and I just feel like I'm I'm although I'm so happy with how much I've been working out I do miss that like every morning 8 a.m routine and I feel like I have too much flexibility now where I'm trying to get up content in the morning or I'm trying to wake up a little bit more and I just like fit it in where I can but I truly know the value of a morning routine so I think, you know, I'm moving in less than two weeks, so I think we're going to wait till I'm finally moved in. Like, things are just going to be hectic for a few weeks. Things are crazy right now, but I love change, so I'm excited to just, like, in two weeks, maybe three weeks once I'm a little more settled in, come up with a new routine. I will actually be closer to the Rumble in Chelsea, so it'll be a way quicker commute in the morning to get a workout in there if I want. And just like more central to my favorite workout studios and my workout studios in NoHo that I have free access to like SoulCycle and 305 through our Rumble partnership. So it'll be easier for me to squeeze those in in the morning without it being a super big rush or just like a big ordeal. Like that's I think been the main thing. Like all the free workout studios are just far from me right now. So I squeeze them in an afternoon before a Rumble. It's just a whole thing. So I'm excited to just get a new routine going. I'll be living with Ethan. We'll probably have our own little morning coffee situation and then we both work out at the same time. I don't know. But I'm definitely looking forward to that and 
we can turn this around, but that's just where I'm at right now. I hope you guys had a great week. I hope you have a great week ahead, and let's breathe in more what was in alignment for us this week and breathe out everything that was out of alignment for us last week. (sighs) All right, let's introduce our guest of this week, Michelle Reed. Also, as you can tell, my voice is still raspy, as I mentioned last week. I've had many plans over the weekend, and my voice just doesn't have a chance to recover. (laughs) I'm, like, still hungover from Saturday. I don't know what's happening. But Michelle Reed, (laughs) she is a 20-something figuring it out in Dallas, Texas. She shares lifestyle content that includes her Christian faith, living more minimally, and developing health and fitness habits. She also has a podcast called But What's Next, which I absolutely love. Definitely check it out. And we dive into, this is one of those episodes where the conversation just flows super easily and it's like you're kind of a listener looking in on our conversation that we're having at a coffee shop. We talked about what she's learned since living and moving in with her husband, waiting until marriage to live with her husband, and just all around life updates, how she handles so much change at once. I mean, she got married. She quit her full-time job, which we talk about. She moved to Dallas from New York City. So we definitely dive into all of that. And something I loved that we spoke about was the conversation of managing the guilt of not being able to give all your energy or attention to everyone and your loved ones when you're in a particular season that's focused on work. And I think we can all feel super guilty when we just want to prioritize our energy on work or maybe on our marriage or something and other people in our life aren't getting as much attention and we have a conversation about that and relate on that. And then we dive into her YouTube journey, how to not let the numbers get to you, advice for landing brand deals, and she also worked in influencer marketing as well as being an influencer herself. And then overall, how to deal with burnout on YouTube, her overall journey, and it's just a really, really great episode. So I would love if you could stop what you're doing right now and take a screenshot of this episode, maybe see if you like the episode for a few, that's fine, and then post it on your Instagram story, let people know that you enjoyed this episode. It really helps me out. It helps us grow our community, which allows us to have amazing guests like this. And then also, since this is a YouTuber episode, I have to ask you to please check out my channel, Jen Lauren, over on YouTube. If you do enjoy my content, it's similar to Michelle Reed's New York City content back in the day. And even her content now, it's just she has more of slow living vlogs and mine are definitely more like productive New York City fast paced. So you can get a little of both of us on your subscription feed. If you do enjoy my content, I would love for you to join us over there, our community over there. Definitely subscribe. I'm trying to hit 5,000 subscribers by the end of the month, so would love if you could be one of those subscribers. If you like this content, you'll definitely like my content on YouTube. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. I hope you guys enjoy. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I know so many of our listeners are too, because every single time I've posted like an Instagram story graphic saying, who do you guys want to hear on the pod? 
everyone says Michelle Reed. So I'm so excited. I'm like, guys, I know. Oh, me too. <laughs> that means so much to me. It makes me happy. I'm so glad. There's so much I want to talk to you about, but let's start with what we start every episode with, which is what is your top self-care tip that has played a role in your success? Okay, so I was thinking about this one before. This was like the one question that I really prepared because I wanted to have a good answer. But (laughs) I think for me, something, I just recorded a podcast episode with a woman. Her name's Christy Wright. She does a lot of coaching on women who are starting businesses And she was talking about with her faith, personally, she always thinks about, you know, I'm not going to be very good at spreading my faith and, you know, being a good person to other people if I'm grumpy myself. And so she always tries to think of ways to make herself less grumpy. And I was like, you know, that's like a good way to put it. And I think for me, the thing that I always make sure I prioritize for myself, but I also think it indirectly helps other people because I'm just a better person is making sure that I work out every day. Not like every day of the week, but at least a few times a week. I try to do like at least five days a week, making sure that I get just like a good workout in. It really does set me on the right path for the rest of the day. And it's amazing when you're just feeling like your brain's really clouded, you wake up maybe not feeling the best, how great of a job a good workout does to just put you in a better mood. And I think it makes me do better in my work, in my relationship with Aiden, makes me a better wife and just like a better friend too. So that's something that I always make sure I prioritize. I completely agree. It it changes your entire day. It changes your entire mood. Like there's a chemical switch, a chemical reaction that takes place that changes everything. And I love that you mentioned like the reason behind taking care of yourself in general is that not the sole reason, but it ends up helping everyone else around you. And sometimes, I mean, everyone who listens to my podcast or watches my YouTube channel knows that like my main message is you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we lose ourselves in trying to be there for others and trying to be the best friend, the best girlfriend, you know, trying to just be that person that drops everything for other people, but you're Mm -hmm. not fully showing up for them if you're not taking care of yourself. So I love that you started off with that because I think that's so important. Yeah, and I think that was something that I learned because I used to think it was kind of selfish to do these things that are for yourself, but then I'm like, oh, wait, no, it indirectly does help other people too. So I think it's good for you and just good for other people. Yeah, 100%. I I also just realized that in the beginning of the pandemic because I was like, wait, I'm mentally not okay and I'm trying to be here for everyone else. And then I lash out and I'm like, this isn't helping anyone. So I came to that realization too. (laughs) My vacuum robot just started to speak. (laughs) I was like, what in the world? I thought it was like the ambulance or something outside. I feel like in New York they sound, there's like weird ambulances that make like creepy noises there. It's I true. That. It's true. There are. It's very bizarre. <laughs> but no, that was just my robot. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so I have to tell you, I've been watching your YouTube channel since your New York days. So for, I think I've been watching you since I graduated college. So for like wow. three years now. And you have been my guinea pig without knowing it. So <laughs> let me explain. <laughs> you... There's like general things where like you moved in with your boyfriend or your husband before me and Mm -hmm. things like that. But it just got super weird when so my boyfriend and I, we've been dating for 10 years and we always joke about we always talk. I know (laughs) we always talk about 
like leaving New York City one day, moving in general, slowing down, and we have this idea in our heads. We always joke about moving to Dallas. Neither of us have ever moved there. I mean, ever visited. Mm -hmm. We have no idea what it's like, but we always say like, we're going to move to Dallas one day. And then Uh one day I see your YouTube channel, like we're moving to Dallas. I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, you told I mean, I loved living in New York and that's awesome. Have you been there for the ten years you've been dating too? Um, we went to high school together in Long Island, New York, just outside of the oh, city. Okay. Then we both went to college in New Orleans and now we've been in the city for a few years. Wow. Man, yeah. that's awesome. I think it's a really Thank great you. place to be. I mean, for me, I never saw myself living there like way down the line, but I also thought I wouldn't be living here in Dallas so soon I thought we'd be there for a little bit longer but it's actually so fun here it's a really fun city it's not as poppin' as New York City but it's a great place to be and I love just going to like Austin and other places around Texas it's a fun place and I think a lot of people are moving here so if you get that itch down the road I think it's a good place to be we already have it we're ready (laughs) he's more ready than I am we're moving Mm -hmm. in in the city soon and he's like doesn't even want to be here he's so over the city but I need Mm -hmm. I need some more time but on that note you got married I mean I feel like it's probably been two years now but like pandemic time doesn't count so congratulations thank you I appreciate it of course so how has it been like what have you I know you've been posting a lot of content just about what you've learned since being married and living together and all of the the things. So selfishly, I want to know what you learned since living (laughs) together. You guys, did you wait to move in together until you were married? Yeah. So I think a lot of the changes came from like moving in together for sure. Um, I think I just cut you off on your questions. (laughs) No, I was just going to say, what have you learned? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's honestly been so fun. I think beforehand, I had just heard a lot of horror stories about like waiting to move in with someone until you're married and you're going to like see all these things you didn't know, all these habits you didn't realize that they had. And honestly, it was such a smooth transition compared to what I had expected. And I think it's because we just have mutual respect for each other. So if one of us had a habit that annoyed the other person, it's like we could talk about it and overcome it. It wasn't that big of a deal. But it's been so fun. I think it was hard in the beginning because we were moving from New York, a place where we had always dated. That was like the only place we'd ever lived, at least dated with each other in New York. And then moving to a place like Dallas, especially for Aiden, because he's from the Northeast. He was born there. It's a lot different in the South. I think that there were a lot of changes that came with that and just kind of growing pains, not necessarily within our relationship but just with being in a new place and getting used to kind of like a slower life but I think the longer that we're here the more we realize how much we like it and every time we go up somewhere like not necessarily just up north but like other states or whatever we always come back and we're like okay we really like being here it's just a nice place to be but yeah it's yeah. been really great I think we just get to spend so much more time together now and that was something in New York that even though we lived close by It was always a 40-minute subway ride, and he would drop me off and have to go back to his apartment late at night. And so it's really fun. I think I really appreciated getting to live together and just appreciated our time together. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and it sounds like all of your change really came at once. I'm laughing because now there's there's a bizarre siren that you were talking about before. (laughs) I remember I would always hear those and be like, what in the world? It's like not a normal siren. That's so funny. Um, 
what I was saying was it sounds like you went through a lot of change all at once. Is that mm-hmm. something because for me, that's something I always do. Like everything happens at once. I change jobs, I change apartments, like everything at once. And I actually enjoy it that way because it feels like new chapters. But a lot of people mm-hmm. get really overwhelmed by change. So is that something you wanted, planned for? Or, you know, like how did you deal with so much change at once? Is that something you enjoy or no? I think that when I was in college or maybe even before college, so I had always lived in Texas my whole life. I was born in Chicago, but I was only there for a year and then we moved here and I just grew up here, kind of like grew up with the same circle of friends and always really appreciated my life here. But I think I started getting used to change when I moved to New York because it was just such a culture shock. But I was so young, I was 18, that it was just so fun saying yes to all these things that I had never really done before and meeting all kinds of new people. And I really appreciated that I moved there because I think it made me enjoy change a lot more, especially just coming from a background when I had kind of lived the same life. And then especially with getting married and moving back, I think that things just happen so quickly that you don't really have time to process what's going on, especially when we were moving during the pandemic. We always talk about we don't even remember like committing to living here. It kind of just happened. We're like, oh, we'll look at apartments. Oh, we found an apartment. Oh, I found a job here. And then it just kind of happened. And while I think it's good to kind of process your emotions and that kind of thing, sometimes I think you just roll with it. And something that we always told each other was that this doesn't have to be like a lifelong, not within our relationship. That's a lifelong commitment. (laughs) But with like living here with jobs, that kind of stuff. Like those can be temporary and you can always change them if you want to. And you're not kind of like married to your first decision that you make. And we always told each other within our relationship. I keep pointing because he's working back there. We always (laughs) told each other that we would be okay with, you know, dealing with change together and just always being open to that. And I think it helps having someone else to kind of be in that together with versus if I was on my own dealing with change, I think it would be a lot harder, but still doable. Right. It's not like you're moving, getting a new job and all of it on your own. It's like you had your partner going through the same exact changes. So you you can just understand each other and talk it out and relate with each other. So that makes sense. Totally. Do you live with your boyfriend right now? We're moving in in September. So I'm excited and also anxious. Like there's so much... There's just looking for apartments in the city, I feel like is a little, it's stressful. Because prices have gone back up, right? All of a sudden, everyone's, all of a sudden, I I used to like for fun a few months ago, plug in like my budget and everything into Street Easy and all these dream apartments would come up and now I plug in my budget and I'm like, oh. (laughs) Oh man, are you guys going to have to do a studio? Do you think? No, we refuse to do a studio because we need okay. a door. I'm like, I need to take a therapy appointment. If he's watching sports and I'm watching Bachelor, like we just need a door. <laughs> no, yeah, we don't have a door and I would definitely recommend one. I love our apartment, but that was the one thing that was random. I'm like, it's a 1,200 square foot apartment, but then they didn't put a door in. It's just so There's random. There's no door in a 1,200 yeah. square foot? Yeah, it was like a thing in Dallas when we toured apartments. It's kind of like the open concept where I'm like, are you just too cheap to put in a door? Is it really an open concept? (laughs) But that's so fun. That's wild. I know. We're excited. There's a lot, a lot going on. But now that we're that now that we're talking about like New York versus Dallas, too, you speak a lot about, you know, the slow living and and you even just mentioned before, like it's just a slower life here and adjusting to Mm -hmm. it. And it makes me think of, you know, 
hustle culture and hustling and being on the go is so glamorized. Even just like New York City in general is so glamorized. And I'm curious, like when did you, I mean, I guess you just said that you, there wasn't like this big aha moment, like let's move to Dallas. But was there Mm -hmm. ever a moment where you were like, this hustle and this like fast paced life is not healthy for me? Or is it something you sort of noticed after moving? I definitely noticed it my last year in the city. And I think part of it was because I was working at a marketing agency and I was also doing YouTube. And at this time, that was when my channel was really growing. And I think a lot of people found my videos and I was having all of these like sponsorships come in. I wanted to start a podcast, but then I had this other job and I had always just been so scared about kind of taking the leap to like do YouTube full time that I always felt kind of good about having another job too but I finally just realized I was working way too many hours that job was a job where you were kind of expected to be on all the time it was like working Sundays and I found myself just getting really worn down and I talked about this too on my channel but I literally started noticing that my hair was falling out like my hair was shedding a lot and that's when you really realize when your body's having physical changes because of yes. stress that you're like, okay, I actually need to make a change. I really wasn't prioritizing fitness and just didn't have a lot of healthy habits. And I know not everyone's in the position to like do their sidekick full time and just quit their job. So I'm not saying that you have to do that. And I definitely believe there are times and seasons for everything where there's a time when you kind of do have to grind more and then there's a time to slow down. And so that's when I really realized, I think that I could do this full time and just kind of take the load off myself. And so that was kind of my first step. And then with moving to Dallas, I don't think I was drawn to move here because I wanted to slow down necessarily. It was more so we were just thinking about like prices and the financial kind of side of things and thinking it might be easier to set up a life here in Dallas as opposed to New York City. I mean, we were looking at studios that were... I think like 2,800 in the city, never lived together before marriage. We were like, maybe this isn't the best idea. And then the pandemic hit and we just didn't really see ourselves living in New York City during the pandemic. And so I think when we moved here, we thought it might be more temporary than it is because then we realized we kind of like life here. We like like walking our dog and actually being present in moments. And Aiden has a really good job here. He's at a really great company and just kind of realized that this is a good place to be. And so, yeah, I think that there are seasons for everything. And this is just the season that I'm in right now. I'm sure it'll get busier again one day, but I'm appreciating where I'm at right now. Yeah, I completely agree. There's a season for everything. And I feel like, especially for you right now, like you just got married, you moved in together. Like this is the season for you guys. And also, I mean, we were in a pandemic. Like, so many of us here in New York City are so jealous that you're, like, in <laughs> Dallas with the fresh air. So I enjoy it, and I, I agree. There's seasons for everything. But it's interesting that you brought up, you know, obviously we're going to get into all things YouTube. I'm on YouTube myself, mm-hmm. and how you have, like, physical reactions to feeling overwhelmed, and obviously not everyone's in the position to – you know, quit their their full-time job and go full in with their side hustle. So little background about what I just did a month ago. I am I was working full-time in PR for a few years and mm-hmm. I'm on YouTube. I have this podcast, but like very, very, very micro. It's it's like there's 
I could never quit and go full time right now. But I was having physical reactions to my job and like being full time in PR when all I wanted to be doing was giving my energy to all of my things that I'm passionate about on the side. And then it got to a point where I was like, okay, it's time. I need to, and I'm trying to make this a little shorter version because everyone on here has heard it before. But I, I quit or I went part time with my full time gig. And I got a part-time job working the front desk at Rumble because I could do something where I don't bring work home with me and I feel lighter. And so my point with this is like, yes, you can, you know, if you have physical reactions to being overwhelmed and stressed out with work, like, and you maybe can't go full, full-time with your side gig, there are ways to make it work. And there are other ways to feel healthy and happy in life without having to being a full-time corporate job 24-7 and that's something I'm trying to I'm just trying to spread that message because it's something that I had a hard time with for a while like I wanted to quit for so long but now I can you know make money and also not have that desperate energy on YouTube and whatnot because I'm not relying on it for money but I'm also not in my full-time situation I have like flexibility and whatnot so i I just admire how you express like it was really hard for you to grapple with the fact that you might have to or want to go full time with mm-hmm. YouTube because and you can tell me if it was because of what other people would think or just financial mm-hmm. instability or whatever it might be. But sometimes it just gets to a point where you need to let go and you will be so much at least I felt so much lighter and freer on the other side. And I'm curious to hear your experience with that, too. Yeah. I love how you mentioned how you went part-time to at your job because that was one thing when I was talking to my boss about actually leaving. I think in my head I made it like this big thing where I am just incapable of handling this. I'm going to look like I'm a bad employee. And I remember I told my boss and she was like, I had no idea you were feeling this way. Like there are options. You can go part-time. You can do. So I think that people think that it's either you have the job or you don't. Yeah. And so it's really, and maybe that's just like a PR marketing thing. I'm not sure, but it's nice to know there are options. And so cool that you're doing Rumble too. Like that's, mm-hmm. I heard, I used to have a friend who did that at SoulCycle and she got free SoulCycle classes. And oh, yeah. it was just something she did because it was fun too. And yeah, it's just nice to know that there are more options than just doing things like one way. Yes, but for me, exactly. I think I was scared mostly to do it because. I had gained a following kind of based off of, oh, I do YouTube and I also like work this full-time job and I was just so nervous about kind of losing my brand if I quit my job and like, and they are they going to think less of me? Just stuff like that. And then financially, it was very clear that it made much more sense to do YouTube full-time as opposed to doing both the jobs because, I mean, starting out in marketing, I'm sure PR too, you don't really make that much money, especially when you're living in New York City. And so I just questioned, I think if I put this, my full energy into YouTube, it would make a lot more sense. And so, yeah, I was really nervous to do it. But after being, I guess, doing content creation for a year and a half full time, I think that God has allowed me to keep providing doing this. And I'm so thankful for that. And there are definitely downsides, like you said, having kind of like the what was the energy you said the desperate energy when it's your full-time thing (laughs) that definitely is a thing and it is scary when you do fully rely on something but I always just try to remember how much I love doing this as opposed to living my life 
working 80 hours a week and so I always try to find the motivation but it definitely comes and goes yeah so how were you finding the balance when you were you know you were full-time I have so much you know I had so much anxiety just doing YouTube and podcasts with a small audience but you it was your full time like you had two full-time jobs in my opinion it wasn't Mm -hmm. like a side hustle anymore when you were at the end of it like you were working full-time in influencer marketing and Mm -hmm interestingly enough, full-time as an influencer. So how did you find the balance? Honestly, I don't think that I had very much balance. (laughs) It was a lot of, because I was still trying to do two videos a week. I was doing, honestly, more ads than I even do now, just because I had a very engaged following, which I still do now, but even more so at that point. And I remember whenever I worked my job, we had like these little pink laptops and I swear they were tiny just so you could bring them everywhere. Like people would pull them out at dinners (laughs) and work and it was so fun. I loved my coworkers so much that you really did feel like kind of like a family. And I think if I was just doing that, it would have been so fun. But honestly, I did not have a lot of balance. It was a lot of just staying up late, waking up early when I would go on weekend trips or go home. I had to be doing stuff on a Saturday and I think that is the reality for a lot of people and so I think it's just nice to kind of like admit that and not act like you're gonna have all this work-life balance when you're starting out but I think you slowly can make more choices to incorporate more life balance like the older you get and the longer you get in your career but yeah, I, that doesn't really answer it. I honestly don't have a lot of advice for people juggling stuff because it is like you have to pick things. You can't work out, eat healthy, have a good social life, sleep well, and work. Like There's just not enough hours in the day, so you get to pick a few and focus on those and recognize that maybe it's just going to be for a season. Yeah, and then there's also something that people don't talk about enough, which is like you want to give that attention to your friends and your boyfriend especially or your family but you're also in such a season of like wanting something so badly and wanting to put all of your energy and focus into content creation or whatever your side hustle is but then there's this guilt that people don't really talk about I feel like I haven't heard I haven't really you know I listen to a million podcasts a day and I haven't really heard anyone speak (laughs) about this but have you felt maybe this is just because I'm such a people pleaser, but sometimes there's just this guilt of like, you can't give all of your energy to everyone and everything. And when you are in this season of just really focusing on work, it's really hard to also make your loved ones feel loved and then also want to spend time with them at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely struggle with that a lot, probably more so like a year ago than I do now. And I always think about, so my siblings just are like starting to have a lot of kids. And I think about people who are becoming moms, how much their relationships with their friends probably change because they just have this whole nother thing and they really have to let their friends know that like, okay, I'm a mom now. Like things are just a little bit different. And I think when you have friendships and relationships where people trust that you're not putting them on the back burner because you genuinely don't care about them, but because it is just a season of life where you're busier and have a lot more going on. I think people will give you grace. 
but it is hard because I don't think it's healthy just to only prioritize work and never see your friends and it's funny because now I feel like I'm in a time of life where I have all this time for friends yeah but I'm still trying to meet people in Dallas versus in New York I had all these friends and never had time for them and it's just so hard when things don't match up and so yeah I mean to answer your question I guess it's just hoping that you have the kind of friendships where they do understand and communicating that and not kind of allowing the space for people to make assumptions like you just drop them and just reaching out to them and hoping that they understand too. I completely agree. You want those friendships where people are cheering you on, where they're saying, I know you're so busy, but would love to see you or something like that rather than that guilt trip. Anytime Mm -hmm. I have a friend or I feel like guilty about not seeing someone I'm like wait let me take a second why do I feel guilty is it something I'm putting on myself or is it the energy that they're sort of putting out there and if it is their energy then I don't think they really have my best interest at heart so I I do think that's such a good point and something to reflect on I feel like this past year I just got into journaling and I love journaling on like who lights me up and fills me up with energy and then like who's draining my energy or not you know, cheering me on? Who do I not feel my best around? And I think it's it's an interesting thing to journal on. So if you haven't, I highly recommend. I've never thought to do that. Do you have yeah. any tips for actually keeping up with a journal? Because I have this right here, this like five minute journal. And I got it because I was like, oh, it'll be easy to do because it's five minutes in the morning. Yes. But every time I try to do a stream of conscious kind of journaling session, I find it so hard I agree. So funny you ask. I do have, I have a whole video on my channel about the five minute journal because I agree it is so much easier to keep up with. I have that Mm -hmm. on my nightstand and I do it not every single morning and night. Obviously, sometimes I forget or whatever, but most days I do that journal because I do find it's a really nice way to just check in. And if you have no time to slow down, especially living in the city, it's just like it forces you to sort of check in like, oh, wait, how was my day? And even if it felt like such an awful day, you're you're kind of forced to choose three things that were amazing. And it makes you sit there and find positive things in your day. So I do find that it it's just like a positive way to reflect and check in. The best way I know how to keep up with that journal is just keeping it on my bedside table and knowing that it's a quick thing keeps you going but in terms of like stream of consciousness and like longer form journaling I'm not I don't do that consistently probably once a week whenever I feel like I'm having a chill night or something or something is on my mind or I had therapy and like I want to write some things down I just try to do it like once a week because I agree it's really hard to get yourself to just especially like I'm not a writer I'm more of a verbal communicator. Like, mm-hmm. I would rather get on the mic or therapy or call my boyfriend to talk it out. So I agree it's hard to, like, keep up with journaling. But once you, when you are in the mood, it's really, it's really therapeutic and cathartic because I feel like every time, it's just knowing that every time I put pen to paper, I do come to some sort of conclusion, like, every single time. Yeah. No, that's good. See, I have it on my desk because I was thinking, oh, before I work, I can do it. But then I always forget to do the evening one. So I'm going to try the nightstand because I feel like that would yes. be a better spot. I do it in bed and it keep that's okay. how I, I that's like the best way, I think, because when you go over to like click your alarm or whatever or grab your water, it's right there. Mm. 
rather than when True. you're like waiting till you sit down or something I think that would be harder to remember to do it at night I agree yeah but anyway, <laughs> I wanted to <laughs> I want to get into I love it. I want to get into YouTube. Obviously, we've been mentioning it and anyone who knows you knows you from YouTube probably and you also have a mm-hmm. podcast now, but I would love to dive into like your story, like why and when did you start your channel cuz you did just say that like people started seeing it or catching on to it and you know your community started growing when you were working in New York City. And I think you do have a similar story to Natalie Barbu. Everything that you're mm-hmm. saying kind of like, I feel like she's said similar things just about, you know, feeling stressed. And like every everything you've mentioned, I feel like aligns with her story. But when and why did you start your channel in the first place? So I have been on YouTube for like over 10 years now. I started making videos literally when I was in sixth grade I would make these music videos with my sisters and we would just be like goofing off and I'd post them on YouTube and I still think it's so funny my parents never cared that I was in sixth grade posting videos online (laughs) but then like a lot of people I found Blair Fowler on YouTube who did like the beauty guru tutorials and she had like the perfect room tour and I started to kind of find this beauty channel realm of YouTube and so I was like maybe I could do that so I started doing makeup tutorials hair tutorials that kind of thing and then I think when I was in high school that's when like more of the lifestyle content became popular where people would vlog and kind of share their life more and so I started sharing that and then I went to New York City for college and was doing YouTube too in college so I was doing college videos so I feel like my channel has always followed the life stage that I'm in but it's just crazy to think I've been doing it since I was in middle school and I think with YouTube and growing your audience I used to think it just always had to be like this upward trajectory all the time but I don't know if you've ever felt like this being on YouTube but it's very much like it comes in waves like Mm -hmm. you'll post one video that'll do really well and then 10 that are just kind of average then one that does really well and so I think for me, my periods of growth were just on different times of my life. Like when I moved to New York City, that was a big time when I felt my channel grew in college because there were a lot of other college people who were finding my channel. And then when I started working that, I think I had like 310,000 subscribers at that point. And then I've never really am someone who looks at my analytics, to be honest, because sometimes it stresses me out. But then Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just, I don't know, especially the longer YouTube exists, the more complex they get. And it can really make you feel insecure. But I remember I was so busy with my job too that I just never really looked at my subscriber count. And I looked one day and it was at like 370,000. And I didn't realize that all these videos what? took off. It is, And I remember like getting bigger AdSense checks. And I was like, well, I guess people are liking these videos a lot. And so I think that was a period where my channel grew a lot. And it's crazy how much of it really does depend on the algorithm too. Like obviously you can do certain things to perform better, but it really will be like one video picks up and then you'll just start getting a lot more followers. But yeah, I've been on for a really long time and it's cool to see how YouTube has changed from these very like picture perfect videos where you'd set up your camera on a tripod and act like your life's perfect. And I like now that it's a lot more raw and vulnerable and I think you can really connect with your audience and I'm nice. I'm glad that it's at this point right now. Yeah, and it makes it more accessible for people to start and less intimidating because you don't feel like you have to be this cinematographer and like know how to do all the special effects. Like you could truly just make a vlog. 
I don't know if you watch Julia and Hunter, but they have like oh my gosh, I love them. Same, and they have one hour vlogs with no no music, no nothing, and they're crushing it. So I I uh-huh. actually love it, obviously as a viewer, but also I feel like it makes it so much less intimidating and so much more approachable for people to start. And something that just struck me is when you weren't paying attention to your numbers is, or I guess you never were, but as you weren't, you know, paying attention to your numbers and analytics, Mm. your channel kind of blew up. So I, Mm. to me, that's almost a testament to like you just doing it out of passion and fully being yourself and not doing things for the algorithm and not doing, you know, a certain trendy video and like trying so hard, but instead just being authentically you. And then it just drew people to your channel. So I actually think that unintentionally you just gave some great advice. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the beauty of that period was it wasn't my full-time job. So I just wasn't thinking about it that much. I was just like posting these vlogs and it's crazy how when it's always for YouTube for me like the videos that I just don't spend a lot of time on that I'm not thinking are gonna like hit the algorithm perform the best and I really wish there was like a code you can crack but I don't know if there really is one but to like what you were saying about Julia and Hunter it's like people like watching that because it's just so real it's things that they fight about they're like random little arguments like I love watching that because with being in a relationship it's like oh other people are like that too and it's just nice it makes you feel more seen and they're some of my favorites I love them I always wish I could have met them when they were in Dallas but they're awesome I love watching them I know I I completely agree because there's only so much you know realness and rawness that one person can show on the internet but when it's Mm -hmm. like a partnership and seeing a relationship and seeing them be so real it it it's truly like they're doing a service to everyone watching. It makes you I feel know. so seen and relatable and like, oh, just because we bicker or this or that doesn't mean we don't love each other, have a beautiful life, like it's okay. Yeah. And I think the hard thing with that, and at least this is for me, like I don't really share our relationship online too much. Yeah. It's like people will nitpick too at the same time. And it's like hard finding a balance of sharing enough so people feel seen, but also not sharing enough to where people feel like they have a say in your relationship and try to I think it's great how they don't let stuff like that affect them because they just seem like great people but it definitely can be hard when you're kind of like blurring the lines of like your private life and your public life absolutely I think they're just truly partners in crime and both so passionate Mm -hmm. about the channel so it works I think it gets a little tricky when you're bringing someone into it who's not necessarily didn't ask to be on YouTube but they're a part of your life so they're trying to be supportive and then all of a sudden all these people are commenting and I think that's probably where it gets super messy but I I agree with you I've sort of been like I'm more comfortable having my boyfriend on the podcast than I am on YouTube because no one can Mm -hmm. comment and I feel like the podcast is just so much more intimate yeah we've talked about that because Aiden's always saying like I don't mind being in your videos but I know it's like when you live together and we're both working from home it's just nice to have separation with like not being filmed but he's always down to do a podcast I'm like we need to do a podcast together because it is different when someone's not looking at you too when you're talking I mean people are posting their podcasts on YouTube now so I guess some people do but it does feel like you oh, can right. open up more because people aren't critiquing every single thing that you're saying, like a YouTube exactly. video. Exactly. They're listening to a longer form conversation because that's the other thing with mm-hmm. YouTube. You're, you're kind of cutting it up. 
it's almost like a reality yeah. show. Like people don't see the full story and then they, they nitpick mm-hmm. like one rude thing you said as a joke to your boyfriend <laughs> and they're and like they don't realize that that's just your banter and sarcasm and it's a whole thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you should have them on the podcast. I would listen. Yeah. <laughs> what have you talked about with your boyfriend on yours? So I need to do like an intro episode where it's just like not how we met because we met in high school, but, you know, like our story and all of that, like a relationship Q&A maybe we want to do. But mm-hmm. we just were drinking wine one night and we were talking about how we talk to ourselves. So I am a big proponent of like talk to yourself like you would talk to a best friend, cheer yourself on if you're burnt out instead of like sitting on the couch and being rude to yourself about sitting on the couch, like mm-hmm. relish in it, enjoy it. And he's harder on himself because he's like, if I just let myself get away with things like not studying because he's trying to get a certification, then I'll never do it. So I have to like be harder on myself. So we just, Mm -hmm. we ended up getting on the mic because we were like, this is perfect. Let's debate this out. And we had like a whole conversation just about how you talk to yourself. Yeah. And it's cool because it like gives you an outlet just to see two different perspectives on something and like healthy debate and healthy conversation. So... Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that a lot more than like vlogging, having that on camera and eventually the more eyes that end up on your channel, people feel like they can comment on it. So I highly recommend. (laughs) Yeah, I think I will. That was nice to hear your perspective. Yeah, it's a nice moment also. Like obviously you live together and you have conversations, but to sit Mm -hmm. down and have a topic to flesh out and just like you and him, like you're not on your phones or anything. It was yeah. it was honestly a nice little little bonding session. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I want to. Sorry, I keep pivoting because there's so much I want to talk to you about and fit in. No, you're okay. <laughs> I was just thinking you're so great at being so seamless when you're interviewing. I'm so much more Thank awkward you. where I find I pivot every single question. So <laughs> I just want to say you're Thank really great you. at interviewing. Yeah. Oh my god. That means so much. You have no idea because I've been watching you. It always sounds so creepy. I've been watching you for years. Aww. <laughs> I've been this watching so your content for years. So thank you. Um, but what was I going to ask? Oh, so you were, as we were talking about analytics and got on one of our tangents again, a lot of mm-hmm. people, when I posted on, our, on my Instagram for the podcast yesterday, I said, like, any questions for Michelle? There were like five questions on Mm -hmm. that exact thing that you just mentioned. People were asking like, how do you avoid comparing yourself to other creators and how do you deal with drops in your analytics? How not Mm -hmm. to focus on the numbers? Like that was really all of the questions I got. So would love to just dive deeper into that. Like how, Mm -hmm. and it sounds like it's kind of just came naturally for you also because you weren't trying to be a full-time YouTuber and it was just a different time. But as you said, like there are ebbs and flows in your analytics, in your subscribers. So how mm-hmm. do you deal with that like mentally? Because it, it can take a toll. It is you mentioned like it's discouraging the analytics sometimes. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with that? I think for me, I have learned to treat it like a job to some extent where with, you know, other jobs, your worth is not dependent on how great you're performing and it's obviously nice if things are going really well at work but like my worth as a human does not come from how many people comment on a video how many people watch a video how many people subscribe like that stuff just does not matter 
And like I was talking about before, I do trust that there are times when numbers are lower and there are times when numbers are higher and they're just going to ebb and flow. I think naturally as a lifestyle YouTuber, things really kind of get more, you get more views and that kind of thing when you're dealing with life changes. So when you move, when you start Mm -hmm. a new job, when you get married, when you have kids, like those are times when I feel like new people can relate to you. So they'll find your audience or find your channel and join your audience. And so I just trust that in time, like the numbers are going to be what they are. But I think as a creator, I just know that, like I said, it does not, my worth does not depend on the numbers online and what's there. And also just knowing that something that I heard someone say when like you're losing followers or something a lot of times you just think of it like oh these are people who don't relate to me but I'm keeping the people who do and so you're kind of like making your audience more niche or niche and so you have the people who are really enjoying what you're doing and I feel like that doesn't really make sense but it it kind of put things in a better perspective where you're actually like I don't know, sharpening things and making sure that people are really consuming your content that are actually benefiting from it instead of feeling like, oh, people don't like me anymore. I'm not relevant, whatever it may be. I'm so thankful where I actually opened a P.O. box and the amount of letters I get from people that are just saying like, thank you for making me feel like I can enjoy like living more simply, not feeling like I have to buy all these things to feel like I have worth as a human and just messages like that really do keep me going. I have a box of all these letters I just keep in my closet and whenever I'm having a day where I just feel like I do not know what my purpose is, I feel like I don't have any ideas, I don't know why I'm doing this, I'll read those and it always kind of like brings me back where I do have this core audience despite if numbers change, despite if my content isn't picking up because I'm not in New York City anymore. Like that was an insecurity of mine for a while. And you just kind of learn that it is not, it is important that you have the numbers and if you're trying to do it as a full-time job, like obviously you want to have sponsors and that kind of thing, but it's okay if things ebb and flow. And I just know my worth's not dependent on that. I love that because similarly, during the pandemic I started screenshotting nice comments through like even like before I even hit like even a thousand subscribers there were still such nice comments and I would screenshot them so that one day I could look back and be like wow these people were so kind at my very start yeah like I have one comment of someone saying like wow I can't believe you had like how have people not found you yet like mm-hmm. you're so xyz and i'm like that is the nicest message ever and i screenshot it and i put it in a folder and that just inspired me to whenever i'm feeling down like in the dumps of my analytics or something to go into mm-hmm. that folder and see like there are people that just genuinely enjoy your content they don't see your analytics and it all comes down to if you're really doing it for cuz i know for me and i feel like you as well the biggest reward is creating a community and having Mm -hmm. people who resonate with your message and your content. And so to see that and like put faces to name or put names to a number, it really Mm -hmm. does help. So I think that's great advice. You don't have to have 300,000 subscribers to have access to little messages like that. I really like that advice. And then you also mentioned... You mentioned like when you lose subscribers or lose followers. I just had this mm-hmm. conversation with my friend recently because I 
way back like in college my Instagram started as like a New Orleans food Instagram and then I pivoted yeah and then I pivoted to like just me and like my YouTube and like reviewing workout classes around New York City and everything I do now and every time I lose a uh, follower on Instagram I almost get like happy I'm like great like now my analytics are changing to like New York, not New Orleans. Like I'm like, great. These people mm-hmm. are realizing that it's a new Instagram now and they're dropping off. And I have a friend who has a food Instagram and she's trying to pivot it away from like being a college food Instagram to something else. And I'm like, that's great that you're losing followers. That means that you're losing those people who are interested in your old content and you're gaining people who are going to be passionate about what you're doing now. So I've never heard anyone else say that before. And I think it's such an important perspective. And it was just funny that you were like, does that make sense? I'm like, that makes perfect sense. I said this last week. (laughs) Yeah. And just that it's normal. Like on social media, it's really normal. And I think I like started looking at other people's pages too. And I'm like, oh, it's not like an abnormal thing. And it is just like waves come and they go and I think that we just find so much of our like worth and dignity and numbers online and you realize this is literally an app of me posting photos like it's not that big of a deal and yeah yeah I love that you can relate to that too yeah so you also worked in influencer marketing so I want to know what your best advice is since you worked on the other side what is your Mm -hmm. best advice for landing brand deals I think, oh my gosh, I learned so much. I loved working there because it really was like being a fly on the wall, being on the other side, realizing for one, as like, this doesn't have to do with your question, it does a little (laughs) bit, but I realized how much I was undercharging on my deals, like seeing Mm -hmm. how other influencers were negotiating or them with their managers or whatever. I was like, wow, like I really need to start asking for for more money because influencer marketing really does pay off and something that I learned in that job was it's one of the most trackable forms of marketing because you have swipe up links and you can literally follow the path of someone's follower like purchasing an item versus other forms of marketing it's just harder when you're driving and you see a billboard you don't know if someone went and bought Pepsi and so for actually landing deals I think something that I always try to stress, stress, and this was something that I learned in the job, was how much more important it is to have an engaged following as opposed to a large following where people aren't actually engaged. Because when we would actually vet other creators, and we'd have specific campaigns that were like for micro-influencers who had less than 10,000 followers. And so even if you don't have a lot of followers, you can still land brand deals it was really important that when we put them into like an engagement calculator to see how engaged their audience was that it was like a rate that was at least five percent or something i forgot what the exact percentage was but just make sure that you're actually responding to people who comment on your pictures and really making sure that like we said you're trying to kind of create a community as opposed to just having a lot of followers and then another thing that i think a lot of people don't think about a lot of times brands aren't looking for you to be hired to post a post on your page a lot of times you can just create content for brands to use and that's a really easy way to make money as like a influencer online we would just call them like content creators when we would do that 
I know there are a lot of people who just have like really aesthetic photos and are really great at photography. And so brands will just use those for their own ads as opposed to you posting it on your Instagram or something. But I think as time goes on, like smaller influencers are getting a lot more brand deals and it makes me really happy because it's like they have really engaged audiences as well. But that would probably be my biggest tip. That's such good advice. Was it weird being an influencer at an influencer marketing agency did you was that like were you sort of was your channel growing as you were there did they hire you and you just had like (laughs) a small youtube channel and then all of a sudden you like your numbers blew up or what like what was the deal I mean I think I was having like my videos in college we get like 20 to 30 thousand like views per video so you were still you were yeah, it was like I was definitely like established, but it just grew a lot. And I don't think it was because I was using things I learned from the job. I think it was just because people liked watching someone who also was working full time yeah. and New York City. I mean, like being in New York City as a content creator, people love to watch videos about New York. Cause it's just like this dream city that they've always wanted to see. And so I think that helped a lot. But It was definitely weird being on the other side and like seeing kind of like the ins and outs. And a lot of times they would ask me to DM people when they wouldn't respond to their emails when brands would pitch them. And I was like, it's kind of weird because I'm (laughs) actually like kind of an Instagram person. So I'd have to like create another account to do it. And it was funny, but it was really fun. I'm just thankful they let me do it because I know a lot of people would think it was too close to like be both an influencer. And like I couldn't work with brands that were competitors of the brands that I was working on, their clients' accounts. So there were things like that that were tricky, but it was fun. I have no regrets. But they saw you as more of an asset probably, right? Yeah. I think that they could see like what people are more likely to respond to whenever they're doing deals and just kind of like the inside look at being an influencer, I guess. Yeah, it's like win-win for both of you. You could both see the other side. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. They were great. I'm so happy they were so chill about it, too. They were awesome. So a few more questions before we get into the ending segment. I always Uh ask when I have a YouTuber on here if they can give us one, like, confidence or mindset tip for being on YouTube and then one, like, growth SEO tip for being on YouTube or starting a channel. Yeah, I think for the confidence tip, I actually just talked about this in my video I posted today, but... I was never really like (laughs) oh yay I was never really like bullied in high school for doing YouTube but in college for some reason I just went to a really small college people just thought it was like so weird and it was something that I was definitely like gossiped about for doing and there was a time when comments like that would really hurt me or even like on YouTube when you get mean comments from people but something that I started to realize was I don't want to live my life the way that these people are living theirs. So why would I take their criticism? And I think there's a quote that's like, don't take criticism from someone that you wouldn't take advice from. And I Mm -hmm. think that's so true with building confidence and building a channel. Some people are going to think it's weird, but honestly, you don't want to be like them. So like, why do you care what they think? And you just have to find your confidence in other outlets rather than what people think about you. And I think for actually growing a channel... It's so 
it's easier now, but it's also harder now because there are a lot of people. I don't think that YouTube is like too saturated for new influencers by any means, but I do think there's just a lot out there and that means people have a lot of options. So there's always going to be someone who's better than you and you can't let that keep you from starting a channel. So I always say just to be like extremely consistent, you know, posting twice a week if you can, not just posting like once every couple of months and expecting all this growth because it really does help with YouTube when you have a lot of videos. So then there is a better shot that one's going to pick up on the algorithm and then more people will find your channel. That's good advice. And then lastly, a listener question. How do you Mm -hmm. deal with unmotivation or burnout from YouTube? Um, this is a hard one because I definitely deal with this more now that it's like my full-time thing. I think honestly, and I know this isn't something that everyone has the opportunity to do, but as someone who does vlog a lot, like we just went to Rhode Island last week. And before this trip, I was feeling like very stuck, very unmotivated, feeling like I didn't have new ideas. And just getting out of my normal routine really did open up my perspective and kind of give me some more ideas of things to create and make me appreciate my life more and be more into vlogging because I genuinely like my life here more just by taking like a little reset week. So I think if you have even just going and doing a day, having a day for yourself and then coming back, because sometimes when you're just sitting trying to think of ideas, they're not going to come. You actually have to be out in the world trying to come up with things and like seeing the world around you and feeling more inspired and just seeking inspiration that way rather than just like scrolling, trying to think, what's everyone else doing? How can I like do this trend too? just getting out there and kind of getting out of your head? Yeah. And I love that you said take a reset day because even if it's not, you know, not just going out and about looking for ideas, but just like living mm. your life. It's like taking a study break almost. It's like you need yeah. to just take a step away. And then when you come back, you'll be in a refreshed new yeah. headspace instead of like just getting mad at yourself and butchering yourself for not having new ideas. Yeah. No, totally. So I completely agree. Okay. The ending segment, fun facts and favorites. Let's start with what is your favorite YouTube channel to watch as a viewer? Or a few. Okay, my favorite YouTube channel right now is really random. It's someone who I don't think I normally watched before, but it's Jen I Am, if you know her on YouTube. Love. She's I like she's an OG. She's been on there for a long time, but I've been loving weirdly, I'm not pregnant, but I love her pregnancy videos. Because she's just so wholesome and cute. I love her cooking videos. And every time I watch her videos, it just feels like I'm like drinking a warm cup of coffee. I love her channel right now. I completely agree. It's so comforting. Mm -hmm. Even when she's crying, I'm like, I could fall asleep right now. (laughs) It's so soothing. It's so soothing. And it's one of the only channels, or if not the only channel, that I can watch with my boyfriend because he loves the Korean cooking videos. So I completely agree. Is he into cooking? Yes, a huge, oh, hugely into cooking. That's great. Yeah. Okay, I know you're a reader, so what's your favorite book you've read recently? Or it doesn't have to be I'm recently. Trying to but- think. <laughs> Sorry, I actually have sirens here, which is abnormal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let them pass. Um, this is actually a book that is like a Christian book that I read. It's called The Power of a Praying Wife. I read this recently on the beach and it was really good about just like the power of prayer or if people are into like meditation, kind of just 
like being alone with your thoughts and especially within our relationship there's just a lot of times when I'll be like frustrated with things and I'm like have I actually been like praying and sitting with myself and God in these kind of things that I'm thinking about and just with different life decisions I think that's been a good one I also have other fictional ones I read The Silent Patient a couple months ago and that was definitely that's like a really popular one I love thriller books they're like my obsession right now (laughs) Um, so I would say that's probably my recent favorite thriller book awesome and I just have to say I I'm Jewish and I still love listening to your podcasts about your faith and watch like you make it so just approachable it's not like intimidating or like exclusive by any means like anyone can Mm -hmm. relate to the messages that you're sharing and I just wanted to say I just wanted to tell you that like it doesn't feel exclusive or anything like that it's completely welcoming and I Mm -hmm. appreciate like I I find so many amazing nuggets in all of your content about that oh thank you that means a lot and then when do you feel your happiest I think something I realized the past week was how much I love just being out in the sun. I genuinely feel the happiest when I'm like spending time outside with vitamin D, probably with my dog and Aiden. That's like my favorite thing ever, especially in the summer now that it's just warmer. I think that a lot of times like people make happiness into like this big thing where you have to have all these different things to be happy. But honestly, it's the simple things. And that's what I've been trying to talk about on my channel. It's just like the simple joys in life that really do make life better and make me a lot happier. Completely agree. That's why I'm loving your slow living videos. It's making me like I love that you're glamorizing that instead of Mm -hmm. the hustle culture. It's it's making my life. I love it. Oh, thank you. And lastly, what would be your last meal on earth? (sighs) Honestly, anything Mexican. I'm a big Mexican food fan. Probably like brisket tacos. I mean, in Texas, like the brisket here is just so good with like chips and guacamole and a frozen margarita. That's like my most favorite meal. Love it. Perfect. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can the people find you? So I have a YouTube channel. It's just Michelle Reed. It's just Reed, R-E-E-D. And then I also have a podcast, which is But What's Next podcast with me, Michelle Reed. And I do lifestyle content. I talk about relationship stuff, career stuff, life stuff. I'm 23 years old. Well, I'm about to be 23. I turned 23 (laughs) on July 1st. So I've been saying I'm 23. (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. I'm 24 and I keep saying I'm 25 to people because I turned 25 in September, but I have a late birthday. So everyone around me is 25. So I'm just like, I'm 25. (laughs) I know. And I just don't identify with being 22 anymore. I'm like, I'm older now. I'm not 22. I get it. But yeah, that's where they can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate, review, and definitely subscribe so that you don't miss another insightful episode. You can also engage with the community on the Dare to Self Care podcast Instagram, so definitely join us all there, and I will see you guys next week. Bye!